Hey guys, and welcome to episode 35 of Underrated, a show where we look at films we believe are underrated, generally disliked, or simply forgotten. I'm your host, Gabriel Green, and I am here with my co-host, James Hamrick. Hey Gabe, what's up? Uh, not much, doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing, I'm doing alright. Still enjoying having no classes. Just really enjoying being lazy all day. That's the life, man. Alright, uh, so today we will be discussing a film that came out earlier this year, uh, A Monster Calls. And... Well, I, I don't know if it's exactly underrated. It got pretty good uh, a critical reception, but hardly anyone actually saw it, and it barely made a splash, and it seems like no one talks about it anymore, and that's that's just not acceptable. So we need to talk about it. Yeah, the amount of money this movie made literally makes me sad. Like, I, it, it hurts me to know that so much work went into making such a great movie, and no one noticed. So... Whatever, in whatever way we can help this movie, I will take it. <laughs> yeah. All right. And before we get into that, I'd like to ask you guys, if you enjoy the show, to please take a moment and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, if you could just leave five stars in a few words, we would be very grateful. And uh, we might actually not call a monster to knock down your house if you do it for us. If you leave five stars, we might not do it, okay? I'll give you my word on that. But it's not. So, before we get into the main topic, have you seen any cool films in this last week that uh, you want to talk about? Uh, so I've seen three. Um, I rewatched the classic Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh, this movie is hilarious. It's I, I know a lot of people. It's weird, and I'm sure a lot of people who you know just enjoy movies have no issue with watching black and white movies. But I know so many people who just won't watch this movie even when I recommend it to them, just because it's in black and white, and that just frustrates me to no end. Screw them. I know that that's that's what I'm thinking on the inside, and then sometimes on the outside. Um, but it's hilarious. It has Cary Grant, who's pretty much the archetype, like the guy you point to for like charismatic leads. He's every second he's on screen. He's but he also plays a really good everyman too in that one. Yeah, it's it's weird because he's he's fairly like he's just this kind of somewhat everyman, unassuming, but. He still has like ridiculous amounts of charm, um, and his comedic timing is perfect. There, I I consistently laugh out loud in this movie. Um, so, forget the fact that it's black and white. Go and watch this movie because it is a hilarious dark yeah, comedy. Yeah, we we didn't watch a lot of old films growing up, but that that was a family favorite, and uh, it it is really wonderful, and it's surprisingly so, dark at times, but <laughs> still hilarious. Yeah, even when it gets dark, it's, it make, it almost makes it that much funnier. There are so many. I quote that movie all the time to almost to the point where I'll, I'll go for a certain length of time without seeing it, and I'll forget that I'm quoting it, and then I'll watch it again. It looks like Boris Karloff. See, that's – and almost any time I make a reference to Boris Karloff, it's really more of a reference to Arsenic and Old Lace than Boris Karloff. Um, <laughs> So I got to watch that again. And then which that's one that um, I grew up uh, as a kid as well. Uh, that was definitely a family favorite. And then I watched another family favorite, which is The Burbs starring Tom Hanks. This one, it's made from the same director. I forget his name. The the guy who directed Gremlins. And Joe Dante? Yes, I think. Yeah, that's him. Um, and it's not half as famous as Gremlins. And... It's hard for me to really gauge as to whether people are going to really enjoy it if they didn't grow up on it, like grow up with it. But for me, since I did, I laugh at all of the silliness of it. 
and how ridiculous it is. And I love the characters. So I, I would still recommend giving it a shot because I, I still love it. What is it? I, I've like seen it pop up in a couple online forums. I've never actually heard of it, though. It's a it's about this just suburban area and a new the, this new family. It's just it's two guys and their nephew move into this house. But initially, nobody knows how many of them there are. But they're just really creepy. Like they never come out at night. And then one of the other neighbors goes missing. And so the entire neighborhood essentially suspects them of murdering their neighbor. And they're trying to trying to see it, you know, if it was really them and if they hid the body. And it's I think it's really funny. Interesting. Uh and then the last one I watched was I I am a really, really big Halo nerd, so I, I read every book, every comic book, every mini series they release. Uh, and I'm going through them all in chronological order. So I got to the point where I, I watched the uh, little five-episode miniseries that they did for Halo 4 called Forward Unto Dawn. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Uh, and I actually enjoy it. Um, I think for what it was, like, considering what it is is essentially just five episodes of something to go along with the video game, and it, like, as a companion piece, it's better than it could have been. Um its visual effects hold up well. I mean, they're not incredible, but they're, you know, they're probably better than your average sci-fi original series. Um, yeah, I thought it was, it, I, I, I thought the concept was really interesting. I think the budget kind of shows, I felt a little anticlimactic I mean, for what Halo is, but um, I thought it was, it was decent. It's, it's watchable, and as someone who really likes the games and the, the stories of the games, it was kind of cool to see uh, this other this this period of time that the games don't really touch on too much, and then it it ties in a major character to the game. So overall, as can, looking at at it as what it is, just this companion piece to go along with the game and to add to the story, I actually really enjoy it. It's better than it could have been, and it's better than the one they did for Halo Five. So that's a plus. All right, um, so I went and saw, I was kind of in a, a Guy Ritchie uh, swing, so I went and saw King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. And uh, th- this movie is interesting. Um, like, I wasn't, the trailer, I thought the trailers looked, like, obscenely awful. <laughs> and interestingly enough, the things I hated about the trailers, I actually really liked the film. And the parts of the film that I thought I would like, I ended up not liking as much. Um, so... I don't I don't I just like don't even know what to say about this movie because it is so ridiculous um it 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 definitely it's definitely a Guy Ritchie movie his stamp is all across it you know the um the non-linear storytelling the the kind of montages as someone talks over with the telling a story and the story will kind of twist around and just all the things you expect from a Guy Ritchie film they're all here and all of that stuff is fantastic and one thing that I didn't expect to like was I liked that this was actually, I like the fantasy aspect of this film. He just throws us in right in the opening. He's like, "This is there is magic, there is swords, there are giant freaking elephants, and you're gonna like it." He just throws us into it, like, and it's it's insane. I, I absolutely love the opening just because of how immersive it is. I think, and Guy Ritchie has a way of inc- of conveying like huge amounts of exposition and information in very 
very quickly and in a very engaging way. And so I think that really helps the world building. This feels like a real place with a history. You know, it feels like we just stepped into a story. And all of that, as someone who just likes mythology and likes like the the idea of legends and the stories we tell to each other, all of that, it, it felt it felt mythological. It felt like this could have become a mythology. And I really love when medieval films do that. Um, that said, the story is like paper thin. The characters are aren't even characters. Like only Arthur and Jude Law's villain character get even a shade of depth. And even then they're like <laughs> the vaguest of archetypes. So it's, it's it, it, any substance you're looking for really isn't here. It's just a question of, do you enjoy the journey to get there and all the wacky, the crazy magic and this and Guy Ritchie's tricks and all that. And I, so I have, I, I can't even say this is a good film. But I had an absolute blast watching it. And I'm like, I'm considering even seeing it again, maybe just because of how I think just effective and engaging it is as the plot is moving along. All the, all the characters are likable, enjoying and, and enjoyable. Uh, there, It's a just a bunch of, you know, great British character actors. So every small little bit is played with gusto. So the whole world is fun. Um I don't know. It, it, it's a it's a total mess, and the the climax itself is awful. It is the worst. I mean, like just it, it, there's nothing good about anything that happens in the entire climax. <laughs> but uh, up until then, I was really liking the film. So take all of that how you will. I enjoyed it. It's not good. The acting's great. Guy Ritchie's direction is fun. But gosh, it's a mess. Oh, and the score. Daniel Pemberton's score is phenomenal. Um. I know we raved a lot last episode about his score for Man from Uncle. And this isn't quite that great, but it's still very unique and uh just he 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 does a lot of things you wouldn't you don't expect in epic scores and it 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 probably sounds weird on paper, but it all comes together to a very like immersive score. It real the score really gets you into the beat of the film. Nice. I really hope to have seen it by now. Unfortunately, I haven't, but that sounds about like what I expected <laughs> just to really kind of be a mess in terms of the final product but just a, a a really fun mess so uh i'm okay with that i'm okay with just going to the theater and having fun yeah, yeah. which yeah, you're not going to get any if you if you enjoy it and don't hate it which is isn't even a, a guarantee that's about what you'll get <laughs> all right <laughs> and i also saw the wall which is doug lyman's latest film it's a very small contained movie just two american soldiers an iraqi sniper and a wall and that's it. And I found it very effective. It's just, you know, it's one of those small, you know, one room films that really just it. All that matters there is the filmmaking, the pacing, the editing, the direction, and all of that is very good. It's Doug Lyman. He's he's an excellent filmmaker. Um, it's not amazing. It never it never really does anything like hugely shocking or groundbreaking, or and the the, the characters aren't terribly deep. But for what it is, just a little film that's centered around one location. It's it, it was very uh, very engaging and has some decent suspense. Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's the main lead, is really good and actually John Cena isn't bad either. I, I was really impressed with uh, what the performance he gave. Um, overall, like it's not a must see, but if 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 you if the trailers uh, intrigued you, go give it a look. Yeah, I, I remember watching the trailer with my brother and seeing John Cena, and we're like, oh gosh, come <laughs> on! And then all of a sudden, Doug Lehman's name came out. Is it Lyman? I'd always <laughs> called it Lehman, but 
I've heard I'm, both, I'm but I hear Lyman a lot more. Okay. Well, that, well I, I saw his name come up, and I was like, wait a second. And then I saw Anna Taylor Johnson, and then the tra- the whole trailer to me was incredibly intriguing. I thought it looked really good. Um, and so I'll probably see it. Uh, finally, a local theater was having showings to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Luc Besson's The Fifth Element. Uh, have you seen this one? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. This is the most bonkers film I have ever seen, I think. I think I can say that. There's, I mean, there's, it, it's just, he he just throws everything at the, at, at the film any kind of mythological fantasy sci-fi 80s action film cliche you can think of everything is just crammed into this movie and they're just slathered in production design and color um and i, I kind of love it. it it has a really great sense of humor this kind of wacky like slapstick but well executed slapstick kind of a humor um the characters are all ridiculous the character that chris tucker plays <laughs> <laughs> one of the most outlandish things I've ever seen on film and it's overused but <laughs> when it first comes on screen it is it's crazy um I don't want to spoil anything but yeah it's it's just I, I can see how a lot of people wouldn't like it just because of how out there it all is but I, I kind of love it it's, I think it's really funny just completely entertaining yeah this one where like I know a lot of things about it I can see like a still image from it and know exactly what it is, but I just haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was really, really nice seeing the, uh, the trailer for Valerian in front of this. And I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. I don't, I have no idea what to expect. It might be something like Jupiter ascending, but it still looks very intriguing. That, with that movie, I am just, to me, that's either going to be just a really cool, unique sci-fi movie or Jupiter ascending. <laughs> and that, that's what I get from the trailer. I'm like, man, I'm really rooting for him because I would love a, a cool original sci-fi, but yeah. we'll see. All right. Uh, so is there anything else you want to mention before we move into the main review? I think I'm ready. All right. Let's move into our main review for A Monster Calls. A Monster Calls was given its wide release in January this year. It was directed by J.A. Bayona. Or is it Bayona or Bayona? I think it's... Uh, I've heard Bayona. Bayona. Um, on a budget of $43 million and it only grossed $43 million, So it just barely made back its production budget. It stars Louis McDougal, Felicity Jones, Sigourney Weaver, Toby Kebbell, and Liam Neeson as the monster. And it was written by Patrick Ness, who also wrote the novel it's based on. And it was shot by Oscar Farah, Farah, I don't know, it's Spanish, I'm sorry. And the score was composed by Fernando Velasquez. All right. Um, and a little bit about the book. It was actually, it was the woman whose idea it originally was, as I named Shiaban Dowd. But she actually died of cancer while coming up with a story uh, for this book. And so Patrick Ness kind of took the story in notes and then finished the novel. And he also wrote the film. So it's a little interesting backstory to the book. Um, so this is currently my favorite film this year, um, and it, I, I think it is yours as well, isn't it? Yes. All right. Uh, so, what, what do you, what, why is this film your favorite this year? Because it to me, 
I I can't really recall of a movie that has affected me emotionally as much as this did. I it just gets human emotion and the way that you deal with things like this. And on top of that, it's like it's told from the perspective of a child. So this the story itself is already incredibly moving to me. And then just visually, it's told in such a creative way. There's almost nothing for me to dislike about it. <laughs> it's it's just so well done and well put together. And it really affected me emotionally. I I remember whenever I first saw it, me, my brother, and one of my friends all wanted to see it because we're like, let's just this movie's not going to get seen by anybody, and I think it looks all right, so we we're going to go see it. And one of my other friends, he uh, he didn't feel like it, and I was like, I, I told him I was like, it's probably going to be pretty good, and he said he would pay me back if he liked it, but if not, I had to buy his ticket. And he he paid me back immediately afterward <laughs> because it was the theater was literally four guys and nobody else. And whenever it, it ended, I was a me- I was just tears rolling down my eyes and I was like, crap, I'm gonna be the only person who's crying. But when the sound goes out, I just hear sniffling <laughs> to my left and right. And I, I couldn't even like speak for the first five minutes after it was over. I tried to, and I just it was like a just a bumbling mess of words because I couldn't <laughs> speak coherently. So I I ended up renting it and showing it to other people, and I just I want as many people to see it just because it, it really is a really really great movie about people and the way that people grieve, and I don't know, it's really well done. Yeah, I I, I actually got a chance to uh, listen to the book before I watched the film, and so. I- I, I might have actually like worked through some of my emotions concerning it ahead of time, like at work, you know, like almost like in the back, cleaning out, almost crying because I was listening to this this amazing book. Uh, but for as for a film, I, I found a very, very faithful adaptation. And at, like, like you said, the theater was almost empty where I was, but I did hear like sniffling like from two distinct points behind me and the guy beside me kept taking off his glasses for the last half hour so. And I, I really – I don't exactly cry. Like for me, it's, I get a little misty-eyed and, and that's what it did for me. It, it definitely it definitely moved me. It's a very, very emotional film. And it, it reminded me a lot of Inside Out, which was another film like, that I uh, quote-unquote cried at. Um, I th- and I think its value li- is very similar. As in, it's, it's a film that gives us kind of almost a vocabulary and an understanding of – our emotions and the things like just things we often don't understand how to express. And these, these feelings and just feelings we don't understand and don't know how to deal with. I think films like this help us understand whether from a perspective of, you know, showing empathy for someone who's going through these things or, you know, I think just helping ourselves work through all this stuff. And um, yeah, I think it's a very valuable film and, it is very disappointing that it didn't make a lot of money. That it seems pretty pretty well forgotten already. Although, Jay Biona is doing uh, Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World two, so it's good to see that he he's uh, gonna keep making films. Yeah, I always forget that. I I really hope it's good. He's got another movie uh, that he'd done before The Monster Calls that I want to see. The Impossible. Yeah, yes. I've heard good things about that as well. It look it, the trailer looked excellent. So the first thing that I want to talk about uh, is the cast. I think that this cast is really, really good and does really well with everything that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Felicity Jones, she's not in it a crazy amount, but she is in it easily enough to really have a presence in the movie. And <clears throat> something that her performance did was just, it, it felt incredibly real. It felt like this was a real woman who was dealing with this. And that's what made the movie even harder to watch. Uh, was because it does a good job of making this feel like this is a real event that's happening at this point in the world. Like these are people dealing with this. And so she starts to become, she starts to feel like she's a real person. It's no, I'm not watching a movie. I'm not watching an actress. I'm watching this character go through it and try to make the best of the, you know, the best of what time she has left. And so her performance as she, as she goes along with her battle of cancer is just really well done. You know, initially when it feels like, you know, she and um, her son are both, you know, they, they, they believe that, you know, she has a chance she's going to beat this, things can look up. And then as, as it gets, you know, bleaker and bleaker, you know, when she's in the hospital and she says, I, you know, I understand you're angry. To be honest, I'm, I'm really angry too. Like every scene that had any sort of emotion, she, she really sold it for me. Um, and so I think one of the reasons that this movie moved me the way it did was because I, I cared about the character that this was happening to. And I think it's just because of how good the performance was. Yeah, it's it's a very vulnerable performance. And I, I think the makeup helps a lot. Just She looks like she is someone who is dying. And that makes it so much harder to watch. You feel like you're almost... It feels like you're intruding on this these very personal moments just because of how uh, human her performance is. And uh, as you said, like we're she's in a horrible spot. Like she is the one who's dying, but she also has to worry about her son and what's going to happen to him after she's gone. And also, you know, just the anger at the fact that your body is, re is literally rejecting itself and tearing itself apart. It's like really helpless uh, place to be in. And I think she, she just sold all those emotions really well. Um, and I think Lewis McDougal gives maybe the best performance I have seen from someone his age or younger ever in this movie. Just this it's it's a very it's a very emotional drama. And and I'd say eighty well the entire film is shown through his his perspective, but I'd the well over half, two thirds, maybe even three quarters of this film is him by himself or talking to a CGI tree. He has to carry this film completely on his own. And he, I, I never once was taken out of the film by his performance. He, he's crying for large portions of it. He's always on in some, some kind of emotional state. The entire film is about this boy trying to deal with this horrific situation. And he completely owns every scene. I believed every second of emotion that he had it's incredible, and I think I think he was like around eleven or twelve. Yeah, for, I know you know people always talk about like Haley Joel Osment from The Sixth Sense is like, uh, and then I forget the other. There's always a handful of kids. Um, the kid from ET. Uh, all, all these kids that you see brought up and like best child actor or best performance from a child actor, and I I think that it's a shame that he's not brought up. At least, well, I mean, I guess I haven't seen a lot of these since the movie's released, but to me, he needs to join those because the thing about his performance in this is that he is crying for, you know, a lot of it, or in, like you said, in an emotional state for almost the entirety of the film. 
but it he shows such a range of emotions he shows anger and frustration and um like apologetic sadness like the scene where he like just destroys his grandmother's living room and is essentially trying to apologize and he's you know he regrets everything he's done and he's just saying he's you know saying grandma grandma like you know i'm sorry it's just like this such this this quiet reserved apologetic sound in his voice and the way he's he sits outside her room it's it's heartbreaking it's so sad and it's because it feels like it's a a real kid just like what i said with felicity jones is this doesn't feel like a performance it feels like these are people and so whenever he's devastated by what he's done in that scene it's sad because it feels like i'm watching a real kid experience regret over what he'd done to this character and then his frustration with the monster his frustration with just what's going on with his mom and then you know the hit when he actually has to sob at when he's angry at himself for his own thoughts and then begins to cry because he thinks it makes him a terrible person is such a great performance from start to finish and he has such a wide range of emotions that he has to sell and he does he, he sells every single one it, i i really wish that he was uh nominated because i think he gave a performance that was worthy of it yeah and i don't even know if i need to call spoilers for this film i mean I don't know if it's really one that can be spoiled. Like if you've seen the trailer, you could probably guess where the film is going to go. It's kind of about the journey. But if somehow that it means that uh, will really affect your viewing experience, I'm just going to say we're going to be talking about the entire film. Um, yeah, and just going on with the cast, uh, Toby Kebble, he's an actor that I'm really starting to like. He was in uh, the Ben-Hur remake that no one saw and everyone hated. And he was I thought he was fantastic in that movie. You see him, he's popped up more in a, in a uh, motion capture like Planet of the Apes or Warcraft. But he, I thought he was really good here. And the role he plays is a very interesting one. It's like he's a very nice person, it seems. He'd probably be like a nice guy to hang out with. But he's also – he's kind of a coward. And it's – he plays his father. He plays uh, uh, Connor's father. And it's like he – you know – he he wants to be there for his son, but he also he doesn't want to have to stick there through the whole time. He wants to be able to leave when he wants when he needs to, and just he he's unable to fully be the father he needs to be for his child. But he, the film, I love how the film doesn't paint him as an evil person, as a a bad guy. I, I liked I was listening to an interview uh, with uh, Patrick Ness, and he said his the character like he, it's not that he's a bad person; he's simply weak. And it feels very real. People aren't just like evil, pe- evil, or just or all angels. I mean, you see, like even the pe- the people who do horrible things also they 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 they're actually people. They have their own lives. They have, and I think showing it the way where he does the things he does in this film are not good. He does leave his son to deal with this horrific situation, but he the film is careful to also paint him as a human being, and I really appreciate that even though it, it definitely doesn't make excuses for what he does. Um, and, and I thought T- Toby Kebbell just played all those different facets of a, of a kind of a more complicated character very well. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about his character is that he almost represents what the movie, one of the things that the movie is trying to say, that rarely are, are events and, and people so black and white um, that e- even when someone's wrong, it's not because they're evil or because they're wanting to be wrong or do the wrong thing. It's 
know, people are complex and they're complicated. And so you can look at him and see him as he's like, he's a good guy. He, he wants the best for his son and he genuinely cares about his son. But like you said, he's, there's a lot of weakness to his character. Um, and some cowardice to not, to, he has a desire to not, to not fully commit to the situation and fully be involved, but still kind of feel like he is. Um, and I think Toby Kevill just, he seems, he, he plays that character really well. Just this, this guy that you like, you know, but you, you see the weakness in the way he deals with the situation. Um, and like you, he's, he's an actor that I'm starting to like a lot. Uh, I rewatched, um, the rock and roller recently and I love him as, uh, oh, yeah, he's in that too. <laughs> he, yeah, he is the titular rock and roller, uh, and he's he's really fun in that. But yeah, I think he's a great actor, and I I thought he did a really good job in this. Uh, and someone else I want to talk about. It's it's weird that they got Sigourney Weaver um, for the grandmother, given that she's not British and everyone else in the movie is. It's a very British film. Yeah, it's all around. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. If she's like literally the only American involved in that movie at all. But, you know, looking past things outside of the actual film, I thought she played the role really well. Um, just this overbearing, strict, incredibly difficult to speak with grandmother. But like like the dad, she's she's not evil. She's not cold-hearted. She's just very... She has a lot of problems as a human. She has flaws and they're apparent. But... Like the dad, she cares about his mom. She cares about Connor. She cares about these characters. She, she's a, she's still a human being who feels and acts like a human being. And I think that like everyone else in the cast, she just does really well with everything and makes the most of all of her emotional scenes. And, and towards the end when she and Connor start to understand each other more, she and Louis McDougall, I think, just made a really good connection. And I think that as they connected waiting on the train, that was just a really, really nice moment in the movie. Yeah. I mean, she comes in as, you know, the stereotypical evil grandmother. And I mean, in all honesty, she is not a very nice person as we meet her in this film. She's incredibly difficult and she really should not be with kids. (laughs) But as the film goes on and as the situation worsens and, and just all these emotional barriers that both her and Connor have built up are just like slowly forcibly stripped away. You just see how deeply she does in her own way, care about her daughter and, and also care about Connor. Um, and again, I love how the film doesn't allow us to hate or judge her. She's just another person with flaws and also, she's obviously very loyal to her daughter. She She's going out of her way to take care of her. So I mean, she, it's not that she's a bad person. It's just like everyone else, she has the, her, she has areas that make her can make her difficult. And the last main cast member is uh, Liam Neeson, Aslan himself. And, I mean, the guy has the one of the most beautiful voices ever. So, obviously, he is fantastic. I mean, they do a lot of work on, on uh, the voice, obviously, in the computer, but he brings a lot of warmth to the role and also kind of a commanding presence as well. Yeah. It's, I really like the way they had him play the monster because he gets to show, he himself as this giant CGI tree monster gets to show a lot of range in that, you know, it's sometimes the monster is meant to be this terrifying monster, this 
huge imposing threat that's demanding something of Connor. And then at other times, he's this really sweet monster almost, and he's he's there emotionally for Connor. And he has like, in some scenes, he has really a lot of tenderness to him. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, like Liam Neeson can make his voice be the most intimidating and scary thing you've ever heard, and the kindest thing that you just want to, you know, read you a story to fall asleep to. He's just he <laughs> has a great voice, and he can do a lot of things with his voice. So I mean, as that was great casting yeah. to get him as the monster. And, and the, the Aslan connection was funny because even apart from the fact that the same voice actor, the the way they played the character, you know, this this thing that is older than older than anything around us and who kind of abides by a different set of rules. It reminded me of the line in, a, I think it's the line that was in the wardrobe where they ask, is he safe? And the answer is, well, of course he isn't safe, but he is good. And I like the idea that he he's this wild, dangerous thing that – you know, he might just kill you, but he, you can also, you feel that you can inherently trust him. And uh, Liam Neeson brings that to life really well. And I guess it says you wanted to leave the uh, the, the real meaty bits for last. Um, I, I just have to mention, you know, the cinematography. Um, this whole film is just really, really gorgeous. The sense of composition, the lighting, just all of that uh, just uh, really immerses you in the story. And it gives it a, a, a real kind of, between the the cinematography and the score is a really poetic kind of just I don't I don't even know how to describe it feeling to it all that just it, it immerses you really well and it it, the, it feels like almost musical in how it plays out. Yeah, so to me, some movies almost feel like they deserve being called more than just movies. Like to me, I look at this movie as a work of art. It's there is such cr- creativity in this movie. It's just bursting at the seams with uniqueness and. Well, like I said, creative it, from just from the the scenes themselves, the stories that the that the monster tells are just told in this beautiful like watercolor animation, and it's gorgeous to look at, especially on the big screen, watching them unfold and all all the different colors, the way it just splashes from panel to panel, it's it's really beautiful. Uh, and then even outside of those, just the live action portions of the movie, which is the the majority of it, the cinematography is really great and there is some scenes the the are some some frames they're just the composition is so good you, i just want to pause and be like that like i'll print that and hang it on my wall right now it's uh like the shot of him lying down on the ground the aerial shot and we see the giant hole where the church had just fallen through and the cemetery to the right and it's almost like a perfect parallel split right down the middle of the screen mm-hmm. it's it's really really great um and then Something else that I really liked about it was that even transitions from scene to scene are really unique where we go from looking at Connor's paper and the the outline of his paper becomes the outline of the window as it transitions to a new shot. And then the the tears um, on Connor's cheek become the the raindrops going down the window and it just kind of moves from scene to scene. I didn't even notice any of that. It it's so cool. It's it's like the movie's so creative to the point where e- even in transitions, it's like in ways that aren't even upfront and in your face about it. Stuff that that you know, large amounts of viewers. I'm I'm sure there are things that I didn't even notice in it, and I've seen it several times at this point. It's just there's so much care and creativity put in this movie. It 
it's a movie about characters and, and emotions, but it still cares about being visually stunning and presenting that in a very artistic way. So I just, that, that's another reason. It, it, this movie would have been a great movie, even with outside of its really cool artistic nature and its awesome cinematography, but that's that's just another layer to it. That's another reason why I love it. Yeah, it's really lovely. All right, so I guess now is the part where we start crying. <laughs> we want to start getting into that. Yeah, honestly, I, there was a tinge of regret as I chose this because I it's hard for me to even talk about, like, to talk about this movie to other people who have seen it and talk about why I like it, or even just to describe this movie to people, like when they say, oh, why'd you like it? Or, you know, what's it about? Just talking about it, sometimes I get teary-eyed. <laughs> um, but really, it's... This is the the real reason that I just love this movie so much. And a lot of movies have dealt with death and the concept of death and losing a loved one and coming to terms with your own death. But this movie treats that in a way I haven't seen in a movie before where it focuses on the journey and on primarily on the emotions that that you as a as the loved one of the person who's dying the emotions that you feel we you know we see denial like that she's dying in front of his eyes and he's still you know the medicine's gonna work it, she's gonna get better it'll be fine almost it's it's like where you tell yourself something not true so many times that you almost believe it's true and it's he's convinced himself that that she's gonna be okay and then you know just his anger and frustration and the grief and then of course we we come to the very end which when the monster finally gets him to reveal his truth that he won't even say to himself because he feels so guilty over it, which is he he wants it to end Be- between prolonging death and death coming he would rather death just to come and he can't believe he says that just because he feels like it makes him a terrible person and that's such a real and raw human emotion that people think things that they don't even want to acknowledge to themselves. It's not even like this. they acknowledge it about themselves and want to keep it a secret from everyone else. They don't even want to believe it themselves. They can't even bring themselves to say it. And it's, it's such a human thing. And for the movie to just have that front and center, like that's the whole point of this movie is that we think things like that. It was just done in such a powerful way that whenever he finally acknowledges it, it felt so true to me just to people and the way people act and think that it was so moving whenever the movie got to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it was really inspired making this story from a child's perspective. It's something that horrible that no child should ever have to deal with. A child shouldn't have to lose their parents at that young of an age. Um, but I think just because it, it forces the emotions to go back to their like most raw and basic form, like without, you know, years of rationalization and learned empathy and just we all these different kind of tools adults have built up inside themselves to help deal with this. The, a, a child has none of that. All of the emotion is just right there. They don't even they don't even know fully who they are yet, but they have all this. But he has all this pressure um, just coming down on him. And, and I, I love just how the film uh, shows that, like, you know, all the structures that make a child's world what they are like like kids kids live completely in the in the in the in the moment they're in the present they don't think forward a lot so 
like whatever situation they are in right now is kind of how their life is going. And so, and it's very important for them to have, you know, a sense of structure, a sense of knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. This, 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 this net of safety that, you know, a family should provide for a child and all of that's being taken away. You know, his, his mother's dying, obviously, but just, I love how little ways the film did it. Like, him having to go live with his grandmother who he doesn't, he despises in this house. That is a horrible place for a little boy to be in or like the way at school, he has to go to school for the pretense, but, but no one actually, you know, makes sure no one's making him study. So he's just, he's just kind of there in this, he's in this state of limbo where he doesn't, the whole world around him is kind of just like staring at him pitifully, but he has no place in it. He can't interact. No one interacts with him. And, even even to the point where when he acts out when he does the when he goes and beats the crap out of a kid and he asks is he going to be punished and they and they in a very well meaning way say well what what would be the point of that you're obviously under a lot of stress but for him that's just another you know sense of structure being taken away like and he's just he's just left in this in this crazy limbo of, of all these emotions and no and nothing to no, no structure to fall back on it, it's a very heartbreaking place to watch him be in and uh, i don't know it's just really really masterfully done yeah it, i think it it all goes it all does in the end go back to um well not all of it just because the story itself is so great and it works as a book but as an ad- adaptation all of this is just done so well just because the cast feels so human in their performances no one's overacting no one's trying to chew any not that there's really a whole lot of scenery to chew but no one's trying to Nobody's trying to win an Oscar. They're just playing these these people dealing with this thing, and and like you said, we're we're seeing it from the perspective of this child who who doesn't know how to cope, and he's he's in a situation he's not supposed to have to. He's I, I think there's a line from his mother or his his grandmother who says, "A kid your age shouldn't have to be wipe wipe the counter without being asked." Yeah, wiping the counter without like he's he's having to learn how to live like an adult. But psychologically, he's just not prepared to do that. He's he's not emotionally ready for that. He's not emotionally ready to lose his mother. And watching him come to grips with the fact that that's going to eventually happen and have to come to terms with what life is going to have to be like moving forward, it's just, it feels so real. With In spite of the movie having giant CGI monsters and, you know, watercolor paintings of fantasy playing out before our eyes, in spite of all that, it still feels so human and so real, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's just, it's because of Jay uh, Jay Bayona's direction. It's he he pulls everything together just to tell such a cohesive story where this all of this kind of fantastical and larger than life elements serve the story, and they don't they don't take away from it. They don't try to make the movie about something it's not. They all help drive the point of the movie home, and then. I don't know if I've ever just been it's like almost a combination of like like emotional devastation and like relief because you're you're almost feeling the the same emotion as a viewer at least I was I was feeling the same emotion as Connor was at you know at the the final scene where she she passes away in the hospital where it's like this is it you know there's no more wondering about what's going to happen it's it's over. This this poor, horrible portion of my life is over. But it comes at the cost of losing her. And so 
the line that like every time I watch the movie, I just if I had done a good job holding it in, it's it's all for naught because I cry whenever he says, uh, now you must speak the simplest truth of all, and he just says, I don't want you to go. Like I don't I'm gonna miss you. I I don't want you to leave me, and he hugs her in the hospital bed. I lose it every single time. And it's not even just like a few tears, like three, four viewings later, the movie ends and I have to like go off for a couple minutes to try to recollect myself just because it, it feels like you went on this, this emotional journey with these real people every single time. I haven't gotten fatigued from watching the movie just because it feels like I said real people. So when you, you get to that climactic moment that everything's been leading to the scene is so beautiful and so well done that it, it just hits me on an emotional level more than almost any other movie has. Yeah. For me, it's, it's the way that he says the line, it will be hard, but you will make it through. It's, it's, it, it's, it, it's not like he's giving, you know, these like simple cliche. Oh, everything's going to be okay. All right. Or it's just, yes, this may be the hardest thing you will ever have to live through, but there is a, you might not see it today, you might not see it tomorrow, but there is, there is this possibility of hope that it will not always be, it, everything won't always be like it is now. Um, and I think just, it. The, I like that the film doesn't try to give these easy answers. It, it, it makes you just look at the difficulties and, just, it, and it doesn't try to explain them away. It just gives you these hardships, these difficulties, these, these insane human emotions that we that none of us fully understand. But it just it, but it also it does provide a semblance of hope, you know, in in just being truthful and being honest about what we're feeling right now, um, you know, just just dealing with everything as it comes. But it's it's also just yeah, this is this, this is this is hard. There's there's no easy answer to any of it, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's and I. I I love that that the, the movie is very nuanced in its its approach to the to the end, where, like you said, it'll be harder than hard. This will be the most difficult thing ever, and I'm not gonna say everything will be fine. Like, you know, get it together. Life's gonna go on, and it's also not saying like, well, <laughs> we tried, but she's gone. We'll, we'll see how you manage. <laughs> it's it it is this, just this very truthful and bluntly honest way of saying. This is what's happened. This is this is a situation you find yourself in, but it's not gonna be. It doesn't have to be the end for you, and things will still move on. And it's not a bad thing to be sad about this or to look back on it. But this is this has happened, and it's and it's good to embrace her and say goodbye. And now it's time to not move on for the moment, but to co- to continue living in spite of this and just everything. I I love that a lot of things I kept saying in reviews was that it's it's a raw gut punch like it's it doesn't sugarcoat anything about the idea of death especially like you know seeing death from the eyes of a child there's there's no movie magic to cover up any of it and uh, I think that's that's probably the reason that I do love this movie so much is that it it doesn't feel like it gave movie answers to any of these difficult things mm-hmm. and. Uh, the the other scene that always really hits me is um, when I think it's the, the her, his scene bef- with her before this one, um, where she's telling him where he he's in there and he he he's like so upset that the fact that she's not going to get better that he he won't even talk to her, and she just says like I understand, 
I want you to know that like when you're older and you are angry at yourself because you couldn't you were you weren't able to uh because you didn't talk to me just know know now that I understand and just the idea you know of a, I I love how this is shown through the eyes of a child it's interesting that like you when you think about it, like why is Connor the protagonist his mother is the one who's dying you know his mother is the one who's literally losing everything. But I, I, I think it's, 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 it's interesting because how children, they don't, they, they don't, they aren't fully able to, you know, empathize. Even Connor isn't like being a brat or anything, but even in all of that, he's still being kind of selfish and needy in a way. If you think if he wanted to support his mother, he wouldn't be like that. But he's a child. He, he, he can't help it. That, that just, kids aren't, kids are unable to fully understand what other people are going through. So I, I, I love how she knows this. She knows that she knows what he's going through. And so just, just telling him, I understand. And when you are older, when you have learned empathy and you realize that you did things that you were going to regret, it's okay. I forgive you now. It's fine. You don't have to hate yourself as more understanding comes along. It's, 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 I don't know. I always cry at that scene. Man, I knew picking this is going to be a bad idea. I feel like I'm (laughs) just going to go weep after I'm done recording this, but yeah, I, that, that was another scene that really, really hit me a lot. Just because it was such a, it felt, and I, I don't want to sound too repetitive, but again, it just found like it felt like another really human and vulnerable and honest scene where this parent, like you said, is saying, "I get it. I get that you're a kid. You you don't know what to do, but I love you, and I." And since I know that you'll one day have the mental capacity that I do, that you'll, you're going to probably look back on this and you're going to think, I should have said this. Don't worry about it. Like I, everything that you're going to wish you said in the future, I know that you think now. I, I know what you want to say to me. So don't, don't worry that you didn't say it because you might as well have because I'm your parent and I know you and it's okay. And that, oh man, that part was just so... I don't know. It felt so mature for a, you know, for what is almost billed as like a kid's movie. It was like nothing I had seen in a quote unquote kids movie ever. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to talk about the four tales um, and just the ideas that are being displayed there. Uh, I guess, I guess we'll just run through them one by one. I think we talked a bit about the first tale, just, you know, the idea that the world isn't black and white or as black and white as we would, as we often think it is um like people like people can be people can be guilty of this crime but it doesn't mean they're guilty of that crime like like someone who's guilty of certain things means they're guilty of everything and like we're we're shown two people in the first story who are arguably the villain of the story but each one has the evils they have committed and the evils they didn't commit and even the the evil the man who murders his girlfriend, he still becomes a good king. It's just it forces us you know to look at the world not in the you know as we normally do with fairy tales where you have the hero and the villain, but just the, how complicated life is. You know sometimes the, sometimes there isn't a good guy and sometimes there isn't always a bad one. And um, that's that, that's definitely a more complex thing to bring to a children or as you said a children's story. And then also that plays out into the characters and informs, you know, the character of the father, the character of the grandmother, all of that. 
I think it is really well up, well developed. Yeah, and like I said earlier, they're they're beautifully told, and so I I almost felt like like Connor whenever Connor's frustrated initially at the, at the fate of the the you know rumored witch, like what? No, this is this is not how stories are to be told, and the movie knows that. And the movie knows how people will react, and then the the monster explains, and you're like, wow, this this big. CGI tree just taught me a lesson using watercolor. <laughs> like, what movie is this? What did you think about the uh, second one, which is the uh, the, uh, the healer? To me, that's even more of a like a, a complex sort of really. I almost had to sit even after two viewings. I just had to sit down and think about everything that the story was saying. And what what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I obviously I latched on to the yeah uh, uh, as a Christian I latched on to the the line where he says where he asked where. Uh, the Connor asks, "Why did you destroy the uh, the par- Parsons' house? The 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 healer's the bad guy." And he says, "Well, well, he, he said he was cruel and greedy, but he but he uh, what do you say? He was a healer, or he was truthful, or something. But the, the Parson was a man man of faith without faith. Everything that he preached about, everything that he built his life upon, was all, I guess, a facade. And I I, I, I I'm still not entirely sure what he's trying to say, but." I, I do find that that interesting. That's how I like. There were a lot of lines in that scene that I really latched onto and thought were really powerful. But at the end, I was like, "Man, what am I? What am I meant to walk away from with this?" Um, and it still it still makes me think. But I, I don't feel I don't have like that solid conclusion. And at least like you know, with the first one, I can't you know with the with the first one, I know exactly what what the moral is and how I can apply that. But with this one, it's, I don't know. I feel like it was even more complex than what it was saying. And maybe that, maybe that is the message. It does nothing. It doesn't always make sense. Get over it. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. All right. And uh, the third one is one that actually really uh, spoke to me a lot you know, as more of a quiet introvert, just the, you know, the idea of wanting to be seen and, and, and you know, the fear that no one, sees you no one knows you who for, for who you are and then where the man he 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 does it doesn't say what he does but he does something to make sure everybody sees him but he's still as isolated and only they all see him but now they're afraid of him now they just stare at him now he's an oddity not every wish comes with what the consequences you wanted you know just just being known and just being seen doesn't mean you're known it doesn't mean you're any less lonely and and you see that as you know where he go after uh, the bully gives him his final taunt, you know, where I don't even, you don't even exist to me. And he beats the crap out of him. And now he's seen everyone staring at him as he walks down the hall, but he's still just as miserable and lonely as he was before. It, it didn't fix anything. Being seen, like simply being seen isn't, isn't necessarily the, uh, isn't going to solve, you know, being alone. Yeah. I, I really, I liked what that sort of saying. My only disappointment with that one is that we, we don't get one of the, the really cool watercolor stories in front of us and it kind mm-hmm. of comes and goes. But tearing up the school is pretty fun though. Yeah, that's cool. I would have, I just wanted an extended sequence of him just knocking everything out. That was a really, visually that was a really great looking scene. Um, but yeah, as someone else who's who's been an introvert, it, uh, it still is, it was also the idea of of wanting to be noticed and it, like everything else in the movie, it wasn't super simple. He said, you know, he gets noticed. 
but not how he wants, and now he might as well not be noticed. It's complex questions with equally complex answers. Yeah. <laughs> so the last thing that I want to say before we move into the negatives um, is just, and this kind of goes along with the way it dealt with emotions, is I think what this movie does well is that it doesn't just exist as this movie that you go and watch and then you're done. Because it's so honest and truthful with emotions and the way it portrays people, I I feel like it actually did a good job of helping helping the audience empathize with people. It does such a good job of putting you in the shoes of its protagonist that I I, I would not ever assume that if someone came to me who had lost his mother at a young age, I'd be like, oh, I know exactly what you went through. Obviously, a movie can only do so much, but I do feel like it was helpful to show you the emotional journey that people would go through during that and to know, and if you were to know anybody going through it, you would, you would have a a semblance of understanding of the emotions and the thoughts that are going on in their head. And I think that's just the sign of an incredibly effective film. Whenever it actually sticks with you outside of being a movie and it has something to say, that's valuable to real life. Yeah, it, and it it shows it shows ways that are unhelpful. Like when people are in grief, we our natural inclination is just kind of just to back away slowly with our hands in the air. Just we don't want to touch it. It's, it's just something. It's something we don't. It's we don't fully understand. It is so intangible yet so raw and real that like you want to help them, but you just don't know how. And I like I think like the thing in the school where. Like everyone just kind of looks at him. Oh, he's the kid whose mother is dying, but none of them know how to help him. They they, they kind of just like stick him in a corner. Like we just we just we, you're you're unclean. We can't we can't deal with you right now. Just go sit over there. And I think it just like shows the the very unhelpful ways that we can somehow re- sometimes react to other people's suffering. All right, and with the fourth tale, um, it, you know, in, inside Connor's tale, his truth, it is it's him. Who has to save his mother? It's all. It's it, it's him who must save save her, and it is him who fails. And like he knows, he know he probably knows intellectually that's obviously not true. But in his heart, he believes it's my fault. She's dying. I, I'm so miserable that I wanted this ordeal to be over. That it's my fault. And while and I like how the um you know where he tells him you know, to speak his truth, and he says I want it to be over. And he says, that is the truth. And he says, it's all my fault. And the giant says, the, the monster says, and that is not the truth. And then he asks, like, how can I, how can I not want her to die, but also want this to be over? And he, the, the, the monster says, humans are complicated beasts. You believe comforting lies while knowing full well the painful truth that makes those lies necessary. And how just in our crazy, wacky brains with all the crazy emotions we feel, you could feel like different things like you love this person you don't want them you you want them to last as long as possible but also in your misery your your natural self-preservation instinct just wants this all to go away so you don't have to feel like this anymore and i love how it, it confronts just how we could feel these contradictory things we can fully believe these contradictory contradictory things and and both of them can be true for us in that moment and but also the self-loathing that comes along with it is not warranted. You know, it, it's not what, what happened to that person is not your fault. You know, you don't have to bear, you don't have to bear the guilt of that as well as whatever emotions you're feeling. Yeah. And 
it's weird. You know, honestly, on the top of my head, I can't really think of another movie that that really decides to go to those kind of places with humans. Um, and that's probably just a huge reason as to why this movie continues to stick out for me so much. Yeah, I was kind of hesitant to talk about this because I guess I've been blessed not to have to suffer a loss of anyone. So take everything I've said here with a grain of salt. I might just be an idiot jabbering on, but uh, yeah, at least I, I, I think this is what the film is trying to say. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I've, I have, you know, dealt with the death of grandparents and things like that, and it's, it's, obviously, it's sad, but the death that the movie is portraying, the death of a, of a loved one, that really doesn't, sh- shouldn't die at this age, and a son who shouldn't have to figure out, it, it is like David, something else that I haven't dealt with, but and maybe that's another reason why I like it so much is because it, it offers a a window into the head of someone who has. Mm-hmm. All right. You, you actually had dislikes to this thing? What kind of monster are you? I, man, honestly, if if we're cool <laughs> with not even having to talk about him, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I guess I mean, the only one I could think of was, was, the, was the kind of ambiguity of the second tale. But, I mean, that's maybe that's just because I'm an idiot. I don't know. Okay, so I'm even having second thoughts on these going forward. One of the things was that I I wanted the dad maybe to be in it even more, but then talking about it more, I think that's the whole point is that, and I, I didn't want him to be in it more in that I wanted his character to change as a person. I just, I would have liked maybe more screen time to understand the relationship that he had with his son a little bit more so that whenever he does leave, you, you, you do... And whenever he says things that make Connor upset, you kind of understand it more because you have a better idea of what the relationship is. But, I mean, it's a it's a singular movie that's not incredibly long, so it only had so much time to do things. So, I don't know. I'm sure they they made the right decision in terms of his screen time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I came into this right after, right after coming off the book, so I probably filled any blanks in in my own head. Yeah, and I'm reading the book now, so... I'm sure that I won't even really notice it, you know, if he if he does have more of an impact in the book or at least more of a presence. But in the movie, he he was great in what he was in, and so I just I would have liked to have seen him as a person, kind of given not more depth. I think he had a lot of depth, just more screen time to show that depth a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like like we said with with the the third story. I just I love the animation and it seems like it's such a unique way to tell a story and so I just, I wanted to see it again and for the third the the first two stories to be like 5 minute drawn out beautiful animations and the third one to be like a 20 second scene with none of that to me it, it's it was a slight of a let, a little bit of a letdown I I just wanted to see more of that just because of how much I liked it. Yeah, I had forgotten this last year that there wasn't one. It, kind of, it did kind of take me out for a half a second. Like, oh, wait, we're not going to get that? Oh. Yeah, it's just, it's so cool. And this is, you know, there are very other few things I can think of that really looks like that, that as visually stunning with that kind of budget. And so I would have liked to have seen the, the third one implement that in some way. Well, at least we could like say for certain that the film doesn't outstay its welcome. It it never kind of becomes repetitive or tedious. Maybe that's why they didn't do it. Maybe they thought the effect had by then lost its its uh, uniqueness. 
I, I do appreciate how, how the how well the film moves. It's it's, it's under two hours, and it, I think it it's very well paced. It it could become for how heavy it is, become rather tedious. And I like it that it doesn't. It maintains this kind of it maintains a sense of beauty and humanity in, in the midst of all the kind of the drudgery of what it is. Yeah. And so that's it for me. <laughs> all right. Let's just move into our final thoughts. Are you going to start? Yeah. So I, I really don't know what else I could say in final thoughts that I haven't already said, but really I just, I want more people to see this movie and I hope that it does um, affect them in the same way that it did me. Just it, it's, it's almost a tool to help you empathize with someone who had been in that situation. And it's, but it just doesn't, it doesn't start and end there. It's, it's done so in a incredibly artistic and beautiful, visually stunning way with great performances. And it's, it, it works on a lot of levels. It's a great story about humans. It's, it's a unique piece of art. It can help. It, it, it has meaning outside of just being a movie. So really, there's there's really no reason that you shouldn't see this movie because it, it's just so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of Inside Out, of and how it, it's kind of a, as you said, it's kind of almost almost a, a like a tool to help us better understand understand ourselves, and these kind of intangible things that we all experience but we we don't know how to deal with, and I I love that this movie is there, you know, to help like it. it for, to help people just understand whether as a way to help work out their own emotions or understand to at least on some level empathize and know how to help help care for a person who is going through this um i think that there's a lot of value in that and like and I, ultimately i think this is why we tell stories this is why we make these films this is why the story, we we create these we create stories to help us understand the world like through through fiction, we are able to kind of put ourselves in third person and kind of objectively under better understand the world we're in, all in all of its complexities. And I think this this film is a a very fine example of you know us telling stories to ourselves to better understand us, understand the world, and even beyond the part where uh, that part, it's just it's it's just a such a beautifully moving story it, it captures this horror these horrible things but also it never loses its sense of almost kind of innocence and hope that it brings to these incredibly dark circumstances like i i, I can't stand films that are just like exercises in human misery and while you this is, technically is that it still brings a, a hope and light and beauty to these dark places um obviously I mean, as a Christian, I don't think it's the end-all, be-all for how we should deal with grief. But I think for what it is, it's 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 a very beautiful, simple, and well-acted, well-directed. Everything everything from a filmmaking perspective is, is perfect. And it's just a really beautiful story. Yeah, and, and like you said, with a lot of movies that just exist to deal and exist in human misery without offering any sort of hope, I, I do think that life does have hope and so for i i think that's why this movie felt so real to me was because it it portrayed these events in a very real feeling way and if if it is given that i think that life does have hope in it that it's going to end up making it making a presence in the movie and that you almost have to portray life somewhat inaccurately if, if you're just going to deal with 
be nihilistic for the sake of being nihilistic. Because I, I don't think that's often very, very honest or accurate about people. Yeah. With here, it just felt incredibly real. All right. So, <laughs> do you have anything else to say? I think that's about it. I've, I've talked a lot about it. All right. So, uh, that was our uh, review for A Monster Calls. If you did not see it, uh, please go watch this movie. It, it really deserves more attention than it got. Okay, uh, so for next week, for something that is considerably lighter, uh, I think we'll be doing Brad Bird's Tomorrowland. Uh, it's another film that got, it got fairly poor reviews and, and it kind of bombed. And I, I think that's a real shame because I, I, re- I really love that movie. So yeah, go check that out next week. All right, uh, so again, I'd like to ask you guys, if, if you uh, enjoy the show, to please go and rate and review us on iTunes. It would be very much appreciated. Uh, and if you want to follow us, you can like us on Facebook. We are there as underrated podcast and if you want to find older episodes you can find them at underratedpodcast.com and if you want to email us we have an email we are the underrated podcast at gmail.com and you can follow us on twitter at underrated underscore pod and uh, another thing i'm going to throw out there uh i have a youtube channel where i make these like movie-based music videos so if that's something you might be interested in go check it out Uh, i'll put the uh, link in the show notes and uh, if you want to follow me i'm on letterboxd i usually at least rate and review just about every film I see. So if you're, that sounds interesting, go check that out. I'm there as Gabriel Green. And uh, I'm on Letterboxd as well. I am J-L-H-A-M-R-I, J-L Hamry. Um, and I also help write uh, for a site called articleasylum.com. If you want to go over and check out, it would, mainly a, a DC site. We talk about movies and uh, it's another place you can see things that I write. So until we get to not repress tears next week with a <laughs> hope a movie that I haven't seen but look forward to seeing. Uh, we will see you later. See ya. Hello, sir. May I help you? My name is John Francis Walker. I'm here to win the $50. Is that so? I took it apart because of the nitrogen compartment, seeing as how the bus ride was kind of bumpy. And you know nitro. I could have used a hydrogen peroxide powered engine. Bell Labs tested that with their rocket boat. And I guess there were some issues with maneuverability, flight duration, and stuff. It's a jetpack. Obviously. Does it work? Um, sure. Yeah. Mostly. Just doesn't really, you know, technically fly. But if it did, you know, technically fly, what would its purpose be? How would your jetpack make the world a better place? Can't it just be fun? Mr. Walker, please tell me you can do better than fun. Anything's possible. I, I don't know what that means. If I was walking down the street and I saw some kid with a jetpack fly over me, I'd believe anything's possible. I'd be inspired. Doesn't that make the world a better place? I suppose it would. If it worked. Unfortunately, it does not. And if it doesn't work, it has no purpose at all. Thank you for your time, Mr. Walker. But I can make it work!
That's the spirit. Until then, young man, have fun. <laughs>